Thank you, choir. I love that prayer response. It's one of my favorites. So last week, Russ kicked off a new worship series called Follow Me. It's the simple words that Jesus used when he called his disciples. And since we also are disciples of Jesus, we are called to follow him as well. So the series takes a look at five practices that are essential to living the Christian life and following in the footsteps of Jesus. The first practice, which we talked about last week, was the importance of gathering as a community of faith to do the work of worship. Worship is more than just showing up in church, it's participatory. And scripture tells us that the early church sang songs together and broke bread together and reflected on stories of Jesus together and encouraged one another. So worship isn't something you go to, it's something that we go do. Now today we're looking at the second of the essential practices that we'll be talking about in this series. And as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we pray. Prayer is what we're talking about today. Throughout all of the Bible, we encounter faithful people praying. You may remember Hannah's silent prayer for a child and her recorded prayer of joy following the birth of Samuel. The entire book of Psalms is a library of prayer. King Solomon prayed for wisdom. Jonah prayed for deliverance from the belly of the whale. And in the New Testament, we have lots of examples of prayer. The Lord's Prayer, which you just said together, is probably the most famous, but there are other prayers of Jesus too. And of course, Paul's letters. And the scripture lesson today is from a letter that Paul wrote. He wrote it to the church in Philippi, and it is a really warm and an affectionate letter written to a church that Paul refers to as his joy and crown. They were the first church that he started in Europe, and they continued to provide him with encouragement and financial support throughout his ministry. And even though Paul is writing this letter from prison, he expresses a deep joy for God through Christ. He reminds the church in Philippi and us that Jesus is the model for living lives that are filled with humility and selflessness. He confesses his own desire to live and die in Christ. And he shares his hope in the coming of the day of the Lord when everything will be made right. And the faithful will share in the resurrection of Jesus. He tells them that he prays for all of them constantly. In the scripture that you're about to hear, there's a verse right before in which Paul says, Rejoice! And again I say, Rejoice! And before we hear the text from Philippians, we're also going to hear a short, short verse from Proverbs that inspires us to explore the depths of our heart. It reminded me of the prayer that Paul started this letter with and which I invite you to pray with me now. Let us pray. May our love abound more and more in knowledge 
and depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. Amen. The first reading is from the Hebrew Bible, Proverbs 25 from the New International Version. Here begins the reading. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. The second reading is from the New Testament Bible, again from the New International Version. The reading begins with verse four, uh, verse five of Philippians four. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and by petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. So for a couple of years after I graduated from college, I still hung out with many of my college friends. I had a real job. I was an insurance underwriter. And I lived and worked about 75 miles from where I had gone to college and also from where my friends lived. So every Friday, I'd pack a little bag, I'd go to work, and as soon as they let us out, I hit the road for that hour and a half drive to see my friends, where Friday night we had our Friday night dinner club. Saturday was always filled with adventures, and Saturday night, without fail, off we would go to the lounge at the Hilton and sing karaoke. <laughs> I was known for my interpretation of Barry Manilow's disco hit Copacabana, <laughs> which some of you may have heard me do a couple of years ago at the UCC talent show that we had a couple of summers ago. Now, I also had a job as a piano player at a Little Disciples of Christ Church. So my weekend ended before everybody else's did. So Sunday morning, I'd have to get up, be real quiet, walk out of the house so as not to wake anybody up, and make that 90-minute drive to the church. Now, I am a person who likes to be on time but I don't like to be early because I may have to talk to somebody. <laughs> so I don't give myself a lot of margin time-wise in my life. Usually how it worked was I'd skid into the church driveway on two wheels, hop out of the car, go to the little closet in the hallway, throw a robe on over usually a striped hoodie and some bell-bottom pants, and plop down at the piano bench just in time to play a little prelude before worship started. So one Sunday morning, I'm right on my regular schedule, get in the car on the way to church, and I realize I don't have enough gas to get to church. This was not good because I didn't allow myself very much time, but I had no choice. I had to stop for gas. I got my gas, 
I went in and paid for it. You could do that back then. And then I discovered, do you know where this is going? I locked my keys in my car. So we called the locksmith, the clerk and I did. He said it'll be about an hour and about $200, which might as well have been 2000 for me back then. And uh, so I didn't know what to do. And the clerk looked at me and he said, I'll do it for 50. So I paid that clerk $50 to break into my car and went flying down the highway. And I went to praying. Oh, I prayed for anything you could imagine. I prayed for the service to start late. I prayed for God to multiply my time. I prayed for no red lights. I prayed for no police officers. And just like usual, I skidded into the church on two wheels. I ran in, got my robe, and plopped down on the piano bench just before the service was supposed to start. And to this day, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how I got there. I don't know if I drove through a wormhole or if I had a tailwind. I don't know. But for years when I would tell that story, I would attribute it to divine intervention. I would say that God, because I had prayed so hard, had got me there. Well, I'm not sure that's how prayer works, but I mean, I know that there are people who pray very earnestly for things that are way more important than that. And we all know that prayer isn't always answered the way we want it to be answered. I think what holds meaning for me, though, as I look back on that story and on that experience, is that in that very stressful time, in that moment of stress and worry, that my instinct was to pray to tell God what I was feeling, what I was thinking, what I was needing, and knowing somehow that I wasn't going through that stress by myself. I'm so thankful that I had my mother and my Sunday school teachers to instill in me a practice of praying, and I'm grateful for the church that I grew up in. It's a, a church that I could not remain in, but it provided me a valuable example of faithful people every Sunday kneeling at the altar and praying for one another. I was taught about praying through this idea that you go to God in prayer and like Jacob wrestling with God until he got his blessing, that you don't stop praying until you get an answer. But I have to admit that somewhere along the way, my prayer life got puny. I went to seminary, and that was when I started worrying that I was praying properly, especially in front of other people. And as I got older, I got to thinking how irrational prayer is. It doesn't make sense. There's no logic to it. How does it work? So I'm standing here before you today, an ordained minister in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, to tell you that I still have not figured out the logic of prayer. I don't know how it works. I only know that it works. And not because there's a magic formula 
that will get God to give you everything that you want. But because prayer is the way we communicate with God. Now many of us, I imagine, pray to God throughout the day. Little snippets here and there. Which I think is great. First Thessalonians says to pray without ceasing. But as followers of Jesus, as disciples on the path of Christ, I think there's something really important about setting aside intentional time to pray. And if that's not something that you're used to doing, it might seem uncomfortable or daunting even in some ways, but it's like anything else. It takes intention and doing. Practice. So let's take a look at what today's scripture says about prayer. Paul said rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Some translations say keep on rejoicing. Y'all, this is a man who was imprisoned for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet here he is filled with joy as he prays for the members of this congregation that he loves so well. He implores them to let kindness be a way of life. Let your gentleness be evident to all, he says. The Lord is near. This is not a fake, superficial cheerfulness that he's talking about. Paul's talking about deep joy that comes from a deep relationship with Christ, expressed in sharing love and concern for other people, and knowing that Jesus is near in every circumstance. This idea of being gentle is not something that is generally valued in everyday life, but being gentle doesn't mean being a meek pushover. It means embracing the power of Christ in our lives and choosing. We have the choice. Choosing to live a different way. To live in a way that emulates Jesus the Christ. And this deep joy is not the same thing as happiness that comes and goes. This is deep joy found in that ongoing relationship with Jesus. And prayer, friends, is how we deepen that relationship. Individually and here in the community of faith. It is prayer that inspires us to ask, what is the Christ-like thing to do? Because there are a lot of people a lot of organizations, a lot of systems that are spending a lot of money to get our loyalty and our devotion. But as followers of Jesus, our belief in His teachings ought to be evident in the way we live our lives. People look at us, followers of Jesus, and they see how we treat each other. How do we treat each other? Paul continues echoing Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Avis, I thought that was going to get an amen. Don't be anxious about anything. Oh. Paul is not saying that there's nothing to worry about. He's not saying that our worries are unimportant. But what if we place those worries 
and those anxieties in the context of our relationship with God so that we can see that there's a difference between needless worry and concern for others that spurs us to Christian action. Now, as my family of faith, I will share with you that I struggle with depression and melancholy. And sometimes anxiety feels like it is a constant companion. I worry about a lot of stuff. I worry about my stuff. I worry about your stuff. I worry about the country stuff. I worry about the world stuff. So I meet with a spiritual director about once a month. And every time I bring up my anxiety, she says, did you talk to God about this? And then I usually say, well, why do you always ask me that? You know, Jesus has promised to carry our burdens. And prayer is the way that we stay in relationship with him and ask him to do that. That scripture lesson we heard instructs us to pray with thanksgiving, to be grateful for the lives that have been entrusted to us, to be grateful to God who made us and loves us and wants to be in deep relationship with us. And so, in an effort for us to practice what I'm preaching, I want to take a moment right now, kind of go old school, I want us to say a prayer together. I'll say it, you repeat it after me. God, thank you for my life. God, thank you for my life. And thank you for loving me. Thank you, you know, thank you is the easiest and the most effective way to pray, to live in gratitude and express that gratitude to God. And when we do that, when we pray about every situation in a spirit of thanksgiving, when we do that, church, the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And that blows my mind. Think about that. The peace of God guards my heart, guards your heart, guards our minds. And it's something else. That is beyond our comprehension. It transcends human understanding. And friends, our hearts and our minds need God's protection. Not only from outside sources, but from our very selves. God's peace protects us by drawing us deeper into relationship with Christ, which is the source of our joy. I don't presume to know what your prayer life looks like. But as a church, as a community of faith, I want us to do some prayer work together. And you can call it an experiment or a challenge if that helps inspire you. But for the next seven days, starting today, I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. And if you don't have it memorized, it's in your bulletin. Take that home with you. You've already prayed it once. So you only got to do it two more times today. <laughs> but I encourage you not just to say the words, but to pray the words. And that's not all. I'm also going to ask you to at least twice a day thank God. It's as simple as that. You can use the prayer that we did a while ago. God, thank you for my life. 
and thank you for loving me. Or use your own words. So, five times a day, we're going to pray together. We're going to say the Lord's Prayer three times and some kind of prayer of thanksgiving too. Can we do that? Hmm. Let's try that again. <laughs> Lord's Prayer three times, some short prayer of thanksgiving twice a day. Can we do that? Yes. All right. Now, I'm not going to offer you any promise like, see what happens when you do that. I don't know what's going to happen. Just do it. Just do it for the joy of talking to God. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. And be gentle with one another. And know that Jesus is near. Don't be anxious. But pray with thanksgiving in your heart. Amen.